Three and a half minutes after one, you're listening to SENZ. We'll keep you updated throughout the afternoon in the final of the NFL playoffs. We've got the Dallas Cowboys up against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Looking forward to that one. Brady, of course, in charge of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Will he advance to another round of the playoffs or will this see his season come to an end and then everybody be sitting around going, what does Tom Brady do? Does he retire? Does he become a hired gun? Does he stick with the Buccaneers? But the Wildcalf playoffs, that game still to come starting around about 1.30 this afternoon. But we're going to stick with our American theme here on the programme. We're going to talk some NBA. Binyam Kadane joins us on the programme to talk all things basketball. Afternoon to you, my good man. Good to be with you. Thanks for having me. More than welcome. Now, look, we've passed the halfway stage of the NBA. In your humble opinion, how are the playoffs looking? Yeah, this is the point where teams kind of know who they are. They know they know what they're going to look like, you know, come the postseason. Um, but it's 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 tight. The the competition in in both conferences. There's not a lot of games separating uh, the seeds, but uh, a few teams have definitely definitely separated themselves from the pack. We've got the uh, Celtics running wild out east, and the uh, and the Denver Nuggets, the uh, the team to beat in the uh, in the West right now. Yeah, Brooklyn Nets, they still to go on a little bit of a run, starting to maybe fulfil the potential that's always been in the roster, but for whatever reasons come undone off the court. Yeah, the Brooklyn Nets, you know, they, they had a great run, you know, through December uh, and early January. It really looked like they were sort of firing on all cylinders. And then, obviously, Kevin Durant goes down with that injury. That, you know, kind of takes the uh, the steam uh, out of their, their, their title race. But, you know, he, he's not going to be out for too much longer. So, I think for them... Just staying afloat during this little stretch because they are still second in the uh, in the East and and they're playing some of the best basketball uh, in the league prior to Kevin Durant going down. But he he really is the one that, that makes this all work for uh, for Brooklyn. But I I, I had them as a, as a preseason pick uh, to do well this season and it didn't start well. Uh, kind of got itself back together and it's uh, it's it's just a roller coaster that has been the Brooklyn Nets this season. But I still think they'll be there at the uh, at the pointy end. A lot of interest in this country in the Memphis Grizzlies because of Stephen Adams. Nine nine wins, one loss in their last 10 games. Sit second behind the Denver Nuggets, starting to sort of show the credentials that a lot of people believe might be enough to win the NBA championship. What's your take on them? Look, the Grizzlies have been coming for a couple of years. You know, we, we saw them burst into the into the playoffs a couple of years ago. They've gotten better each year. And, and as you mentioned, Stephen Adams has been phenomenal for them. He, he does all the dirty work. He's setting those hard screens. He's been a monster uh, on the rebounds. He's, you know, he's, he's an immovable force down there. Um, and, and just that experience, you see the young guys like John Moran, Desmond Bain, Jaron Jackson Jr. But uh, Stephen Adams is kind of the glue holding that, uh, that Grizzlies team together inside. And I, I really like this team. I think, uh, I, I think at this point of the season, you know, they've, they've reeled off, I think, nine straight wins. Um, they're they're, they're going to be a problem. That's a team no one wants to face uh, in the postseason. And, you know, just from an entertainment standpoint, they're, they're one of the, the, the teams that you have to make sure you're watching because every single night there's something else that either John Morant's doing that they must see TV at this point. OK, I do want to focus on the Denver Nuggets. Um, they're number one seed in the West, as you mentioned, 30 wins, 13 losses. They have the best offence in the league and have been solid defensively in their last 10 games. Coaches, Michael Malone, key players, Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. So my first question... The MVP, Nikolai Jokic, strained a three-point winning shot against Orlando yesterday. Is he ready to lead the Denver Nuggets to a championship? 
Well, that's kind of always been the thing. You know, he's, he's won the back-to-back MVPs. He very well could win a third straight uh, this season. But this, this Denver Nuggets team, as constructed, uh, as you mentioned, with Jamal Murray, he, he's kind of the, the key factor here because we know what we're going to get from Jokic. He's, he's a nightly triple-double threat. But when Jamal Murray's been playing well this season, uh, obviously after missing a lot of time uh, with injury, when Murray's playing well, the Nuggets really look, you know, like one of the most unbeatable teams uh, out there. They're second in the league in assists. They move the ball really well. Um, and when you go up and down the roster, as you said, there's, it's not just, you know, those two guys. It's it's the Bones Highlands, the Bruce Brown, the Contagious Caldwell Pope. They have seven different players uh, scoring in double figures. So it's, you know, they're, they're an unpredictable team like that. Any any given night, someone else can uh, can go off. But um, I, I really like this Nuggets team. I, I think they're probably going to end up with the number one seed. Uh, you know, in, in the Western Conference. But the real test comes in the postseason, which they haven't been able to deliver uh, in recent years. But the way that this team is constructed, the pace that they play at, they don't play particularly fast. I think they're ranked 20th in pace. And, and that really does kind of suit the playoff game a lot more uh, than, than some of these other teams that are sort of getting up and down the floor pretty quickly. But, you know, they're, they're, they're a team that, you know, has been building for a, for a few years now. Um, but now that they're all healthy... This, this could well be the year for Denver. I, I really like what they got going on out there. Yeah, I mentioned the fact that they don't necessarily play that fast, but they've got great ball movement, uh, very good when it comes to assists. Any other sort of areas that make their offense so damn efficient? Well, I think it's just the off-ball movement. That's, that's really the big thing. And, and, and that's, that comes down to Nikola Jokic. There's no other big man in the NBA that can throw passes the way he does. If you move without the ball, this guy will find you. And we're seeing guys like Aaron Gordon uh, getting a lot of easy buckets just off the uh, off the back of Jokic's passing. And, and the three-point shooters as well, guys like Contavious, Caldwell Pope, if, if, if they're getting off the ball well, um, there will be shots available. But I, 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 think, I think Jokic, you know, he's a real chance to win a third straight MVP because this is, you know, no one's done that since Larry Bird in the, uh, in the 80s. Winning, winning one is hard. Winning two is incredibly hard. Uh, but three in a row is, uh, is damn near impossible. Right. Let's talk about the other end of the court. Big question here for the Nuggets. Defensively, are they capable of competing against the best in a seven-game series? That that's that's where it gets tricky because Denver Denver has never sort of hung their hat uh, on their on their defense. They've really kind of just let their offense go out there and cook and and kind of deal with the consequences. They'll put up a lot of points. They they're they're around the middle of the road team defensively. Uh, I think they're ranked seventeenth in, uh, in in defensive efficiency, but they are a good rebounding team as well, uh, and that really does help uh, in the postseason. But when you look at the other teams that they'll be competing against uh, in the Western Conference specifically, it's it's the matchup with the big man, how how that kind of plays mm-hmm. out, and you know as you mentioned, Stephen Adams with the Grizzlies, uh, Valanciunas with the Pelicans, uh, even you know the likes of, of Rudy Gobert and Towns. There's a lot of talented big men. Uh, in the Western Conference, so matchups is really when it's, when it, where it's going to come down to uh, in the postseason. As we as we so often see, it's uh, it's what's the big man matchup going to look like for for Nikola Jokic. But you know, defensively, I, I think they're solid enough. Um, but really, it's it's the fact that their offense is so good that you know maybe they don't uh, you know get as much grief for their uh, their defense mm. as they as they probably should. Jokic, she's been described as more of a, a point center, six foot eleven. He's a huge man, basically plays point guard. So how can the Nuggets cope when Jokic is off the floor? Example, say, just resting on the bench. Yeah, that's that's the tough one. And, and that's that's where you have to look at guys like Michael Porter Jr., guys that can create their own shot. 
Uh, in the flow of the offense, you know, MPJ can be kind of up and down, but these are the kind of guys that you can kind of send out with the second unit. And we're seeing guys like uh, Bones Highland, he's really come along uh, this season, shooting the ball really well, uh, especially from three. Uh, and guys like, like Bruce Brown, who can kind of play perimeter defense uh, when Jokic is off the floor. But they do have, you know, options once you sort of get around that sort of seven, eight-man rotation. And, and the backup being, being DeAndre Jordan, you're not really going to get the same style of play uh, as you get with uh, with a Nikola Jokic. So offensively, it's, uh, it's, it's guys like Michael Porter Jr. who you can send out there with bench guys uh, and just kind of let him cook. Okay, now Jamal Murray. Now he's recently recovered from an ACL injury. He is back enjoying regular game time for the Nuggets. So I'm going to ask you: Is he back? I think so. I think it's safe to say he's back. He's at least working his way back. Um, you know, we're only sort of what forty forty odd games uh, into the season, and you know he started the season slow. Has looked really really good uh, in recent weeks. I think that stretch where they had you know fifteen wins in in eighteen games. The, the games that they won were, were all games where Jamal Murray really kind of uh, turned up. And, 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 and he looks like he's back to his old self. He's shooting the ball well. His agility's there. We saw him you know, hit, hit a game winner last week. I, I'm pretty confident that you know, once the second half of the season turns out for, uh, for Denver, now that they kind of have built you know, a nice little win total at this point, Jamal Murray, I, I, th- I think we're going to really see him come into his own towards the, the postseason because you know, he was out for a long time, a year, uh, you know, missed with that injury. But the Nuggets, are, they're definitely glad to have him back. He looks great. All the great NBA sides, all the great NBA players have that support cast. In this case, it's Caldwell Pope. He's been a crucial cog defensively, his ability to shoot the three. Why is he so important? On-ball defence, that's that's really what it comes down to. And, and we're seeing how much the Lakers miss a guy like uh, Contavious Caldwell Pope because he can do it at both ends. You know, he can guard multiple uh, multiple positions. He's a great on-ball defender in the pick and roll. Uh, and then on the other end of the floor, if you if, if you don't get close to him, he's a 47% three-point shooter. He will uh, he will make you pay. And as as I mentioned earlier, playing alongside a guy like Jokic, if you if you just get yourself free, there will be shots there. So a guy like KCP, he's he's the kind of player that you need in the playoffs. Guys that can play on both ends, can guard multiple positions. He's a, he's been a great pickup for them. You're listening to SENZ. We are talking the NBA. Ben Yamkadani is my guest on the program. Right, I want to go back to Michael Porter. One of the best shooters in the NBA, but he can be a little inconsistent. Uh, inconsistent. He can be a little bit streaky. Does he need to be more dependable if the Nuggets want to win at all? It's a, it's a tricky one with, uh, with Michael Porter Jr. We've heard uh, Coach Mike Malone speak about this in the past. You know, The things that he's great at, uh, almost the things you can't really teach, like creating your own shot off the dribble, not everyone can do that. He he probably hits the most high degree of difficulty shots, um, you know, which works sometimes, doesn't work all the time. Uh, and in the in the playoffs, you know, you kind of want to get the the, the shots coming in the flow of the offense. Uh, but he's the kind of guy that you know, at his size, at six foot ten, he can shoot over the top of nearly everybody. So those tough shots for a lot of people, you know, kind of look like easy shots uh, for him. So as a wild card factor, you know, as the, as the number three guy on this team, you know, he has a lot of potential um, to kind of be the guy that lifts the, the ceiling of this uh, this Nuggets team because we know what we're going to get from Jokic. You know what you're going to get from Jamal Murray uh, on his day. But, you know, on a, any given night, Michael Porter Jr. can be the best player on the floor uh, for the Nuggets. But it's the consistency. That's that's kind of what you're looking for, um, you know, for a guy like that. But I'm a, I'm a fan of Michael Porter Jr. Any guy that can hit tough shots, I'm a, I'm a fan. Okay, Denver. 
Colorado, it sits at altitude. Anything above 2,000 feet is considered to have sort of an altitude benefit or an altitude disadvantage. Um, teams that have to travel there, is this going to be a factor? Teams that might have to travel to Denver in the playoffs when they've actually got to play two or three games sort of in the space of three or four days? Oh, absolutely. This is this has been a historical advantage uh, for the Denver Nuggets. And we can see this season, they're 19-3 and three at home uh, and just 11-10 and 10 on the road. That home court advantage... Uh, is real. So for them to be, you know, flirting at the top of the uh, of the Western Conference, if they can hold home court advantage, you know, right the way through the postseason, that's a that's a huge huge win for them. Right. I just want to change it up a little bit. I understand that through your job and through Sporting News, you've been very lucky in the last week or so to interview one of the greats in Dirk Nowitzki. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. No. Definitely. I had a had a great sit down with Dirk at the uh, at the NBA store in uh, in Melbourne. Shout out to. Uh, Chris Anstey for uh, for bringing the big man out here um, for a couple of weeks. He's been doing some camps and some uh, some speaking tours. But yeah, great to sit down with Dirk. He's one of the the characters of the game. Uh, you know, one of the all time you know leading scorers, probably the best international player, definitely best European player. So it was uh, it was cool to sit down and uh, and talk to Dirk. You know, just about the modern game. Uh, obviously, Luka Doncic and the and the Mavs and uh, you know, he's uh, he's having a great time out here. I think he's uh, taking in some of the Australian Open. Big uh, big tennis guy, Dirk. Yeah, uh, uh, unbelievable that he had 21 consecutive seasons with the same NBA franchise. That is not done very often. In fact, he is the only one. Yeah, there's a there's a reason they recently unveiled the statue of Dirk at the front of the arena. You don't see that too often, uh, especially in today's NBA with the way players you know, move teams with free agency and, uh, and and trades to to stick with the team that drafted you for that long. Uh, yeah, it's there's only a few players that can say that guys like Kobe that played 20 seasons. The, the, the list is very short. The John Stocktons of the world, but you know Dirk Nowitzki's a, a legend in Dallas. You know, obviously NBA 75, every every accolade uh, you can think of. But you know, for what he means to Dallas and 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 that franchise, I, I don't know if you get many players that have had such an impact on uh, on one team. Okay, before we let you go, then halfway through the season, a little over halfway through the season. If you were to pick your two NBA finalists right now, who are they? Ooh, that is... I, I, I said the Milwaukee Bucks before the season started, so I'm going to stick with them uh, going to the finals. Shout out to Ozzie Joe Ingles on, the, on that squad. But I'm going to go with uh, the New Orleans Pelicans or my other dark horse from the, uh, from the Western Conference. I think they can break through this season. Big call. So who wins it? I'll go with Milwaukee. They were, they were my preseason. Yeah, but, if, if, yeah, but if the Pelicans had to go through, they surely win it, don't they? <laughs> I don't know. The Bucks, it sounds to me the like you're still sitting on the fence with them. You're convinced, but you're not convinced. I'm convinced that they'll get get close, conference finals, maybe finals. But I think Milwaukee, if they get to the NBA finals, they they feel like they should have won. Uh, yeah, probably the title last season. You, you, so I, I I think they'll be uh, they'll be there. You're sitting there in your Milwaukee top, aren't you? Absolutely not. No. <laughs> no, I just I I really feel like they were they were a chance to win the no, finals no. Yeah. last season if they if they got through without Chris Middleton's injury and uh, they're kind of flying under the radar a little bit, which I think is a good thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> Look, lovely to have you on the program, Ben. I really appreciate it, mate. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, mate. Good to be with you. There you go. Nineteen minutes after one, talking a little bit of NBA. Now you might want to have your say on that. Um, someone just texted me in saying it's Jokic, not Jokic. I always say the hardest thing, and I'll say this as a commentator, I've done quite a bit of commentary around the world on different things. Hardest thing is always name pronunciation. It always is. Everyone's got a slightly different take on it. I found myself um, having to do the men's and women's road race at the Olympic Games in Tokyo. 
And of course, you've got 140 odd riders, 130 riders in the men's race. And a lot of names are really familiar with people that watch the Tour de France. And then you sit down with a linguist and you just want to get the name pronunciation checked so that you're right and your co-commentator, you're both on the same page. And so you get a guy like Valverde, but it's actually Balverde. And these linguists will actually give the correct pronunciation of how it's said in their own country. So then, of course, when you come out to say it at the Olympic Games, you get picked up on social media because you're not pronouncing it right. Because, of course, everything's become anglicised. Everyone's taken an anglicised version of the name. And it's sort of one of the hard things. You get sort of stuck in two minds on what the pronunciation should be. Um, And I'll say, it's the hardest thing at a sporting event to get right if you're not that familiar with with that particular community, with that particular sport. Anyway, I thought I'd just share that with you. 20 minutes after one, you're listening to SENZ. You can text us here on the Temper Bedpost text machine on 8833 if you want to phone the programme. The lines are open. Uh, We have been discussing the Sevens in Hamilton this weekend. Last time it'll be held in New Zealand. The Fun Police killed it in Wellington. We seem to do very well at taking the fun out of any live sporting event these days or any live event. And I think that's reflected in the fact that Half our stadiums are empty and it's only one reason and people just don't seem to be going. Are we not better to just market towards people's floors and remove some of the restrictions, put some consequences in place, but rather than trying to moral police us, just accept that people do like to have a drink, people like to dress up and people like to have a good time. 0800 150 811 is the number.